Welcome to the back room. I'm Andy Ostroy. Now, we are asking everyday civilians to stand up to gunmen because our lawmakers are too cowardly to stand up to gunmakers. And that is trauma that will last a lifetime. And 20 people were shot yesterday in Monterey Park, but in America, over 300 were shot and killed or wounded. Yeah. That is a crisis in this country. Gun violence is the number one cause of death among children in America. We should be ashamed, but more than that, we should be motivated to act, to wrap our arms around these communities that have suffered. But every community, you know, we are asking everyday civilians to stand up to gunmen because our lawmakers are too cowardly to stand up to gunmakers. And that is trauma that will last a lifetime. And 20 people were shot yesterday in Monterey Park, but in America, over 300 were shot and killed or wounded. Yeah. That is a crisis in this country. Gun violence is the number one cause of death among children in America. We should be ashamed, but more than that, we should be motivated to act, to wrap our arms around these communities that have suffered. But every community is not immune now to gun violence, right? If it hasn't happened to you where you live, I am sad to tell you that it is coming because this is America and gun violence is out of control. We all have to demand our lawmakers act at every single level of government, from school board to city council to state house to Congress. Become an activist, get involved in this issue, and make it a number one voting priority because our lives are on the line. That was Shannon Watts on MSNBC recently. Shannon is the founder of Moms Demand Action, a grassroots group fighting against gun violence. With 10 million supporters and a chapter in every state, Moms Demand Action and its partner, Every Town for Gun Safety, have stopped the NRA's priority legislation and passed hundreds of gun safety laws across the country, most notably the bipartisan Safer Communities Act, the first gun safety bill in 26 years. It has also changed corporate policies and educated Americans about secure gun storage. Shannon is also an active board member of Emerge America, which recruits and trains women to run for office, and Advance Peace, a community-based organization that works to end cyclical and retaliatory gun violence in American urban neighborhoods. She was named one of Glamour's 2022 Women of the Year, and her book, Fight Like a Mother, How a Grassroots Movement Took on the Gun Lobby and Why Women Will Change the World, was released in May of 2019. Shannon, welcome into the back room. Thank you. It's a real honor to have you here. I think what you do is really important, and it uh, just seems like that job just gets more and more important every day, especially in the last couple of weeks. It's just like a never-ending series. It just seems like all the time now there are shootings, and, and sadly, I, I guess that's because there are, right? I mean, it just doesn't ever seem to stop. But before we get into your work and the, the state of gun violence in this country, I noticed something in your Twitter profile which piqued my interest. It said Shrill Harridan. Harridan. Har- and I've never <laughs> seen that word before. Shrill, I've knew, I've seen. And so I looked it up and basically it's kind of like a, I guess the urban dictionary version of is like angry, unpleasant woman, scolding, vicious woman, hag or shrew. And I think uh, Kurt Schlichter is the guy who called you that. By the way, he trolls me all Maybe. the time. So but he's never Many called me people. that. people. He was one of them. Um, but also there were some NRA spokespeople who used that word. I had never heard of the word Harridan either uh, because I guess I don't read the Bible enough. But um, yeah, I, I thought... Who, who doesn't? It was, it, it was such a great term and I loved it. And just adding shrill to it makes it even better. 
Yeah, and I love that you added it to your profile. So now you <laughs> own it. It's yours. Thank but it's you. funny. I'm trademark that. One of my political heroes of the last few years is Rick Wilson, who's come over from the dark side and really helped defeat Trump and is fighting Trumpism. But he, I remember listening to him once on TV, and he used a word that was uh, homunculus, which means like really, really small person. And the way it rolled off his tongue, I looked, I was like, what is him? And I was like, this is an amazing word. So I love when I come across words that, that I've never heard before that uh, are at, at the same time funny and like really edgy and angry and pejorative. <laughs> so you run Moms Demand Action. Uh, it's a full-time gig, volunteer, no pay. You don't take pay. Exactly. What nope, may I'm just curious, like what was behind that? I mean, I, I guess maybe there's an obvious answer, but maybe there isn't an obvious answer or there's a couple of answers. But I'm curious why that was Im important to you. Well, when I first started doing this work, you know, we didn't have much funding at all. And so the idea that I would take funding mm -hmm. before the, the other volunteers who, who wanted to leave their jobs and do this work, you know, that, that didn't seem appropriate or even possible. And then, you know, I just the more that reports came out that people like Wayne LaPierre, you know, lobbyists for the NRA were making millions and millions of dollars. Um, I'm not a gun violence survivor. And um, I just wanted the juxtaposition between, you know, these these corrupt, highly mm. paid lobbyists versus me. Right. A stay at home mom. Um, my, my husband has uh, been really gracious in supporting our, our family of seven for the last decade. Um, I will probably go back to work. Is, right? that, is uh, that including uh, pets or are, there, or are those mostly there children? Are two pets. Yes. Two dogs. Um, so, you know, kudos to, to my husband, mm -hmm. but I, it, to me, it just was more about, you know, sending the signal of I'm a stay at home volunteer mm -hmm. mom who is taking on this issue because I care about kids as opposed to the, the lobbyists, the gun lobby. Mm -hmm. I also read something about you. Uh, it was a reference, to, you know, along the lines of you not putting yourself above the volunteers. Like you showed up one day for a meeting or something or, or a rally and someone handed you a box and was like, here, hand, put these pamphlets out or something. And you, and you did it and they had no idea who you were. And it probably would have horrified yes. them, I guess, had they known who they were talking to. But the no, fact that I, you just I took it and did so. it, you know, um, that's impressive. You know, you, you, I just I think it's so important that um, this is an organization for volunteers run by volunteers. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought that was such a fun and important moment because it, it made me realize that this organization wasn't about me, mm -hmm. uh, clearly. And, you know, that it would last into perpetuity because these volunteers were taking this, this brand, this, this purpose, this commitment into their own hands. And they were making it something um, that I never imagined it could be. Mm. That's really interesting. And, uh, and you've grown to 10 million supporters and chapters in every state of the country. I mean, that, that's really incredible. What were you doing when you, when the bell, the light bulb went off, I know you were sort of motivated by, not sort of, I guess, motivated by Sandy Hook. And, but what were you doing in life then? What was your work? And what made you say, okay, this is the time to walk away from that and do this? 
Yeah, I had been a corporate communications executive for over a decade, working at uh, Fortune 100 companies and agencies, um, really cut my teeth on creating messages and writing speeches and building brands. And I was just getting married for the second time, and we were blending our family of, of five kids, three of mine, two of my husband's. And also I had some kids in middle school and it just felt like a really good time to keep a closer eye on them. So I thought I'll take a five-year break and then go back to work. And it was at the very end of that five years, I had just started thinking about what I would do next, um, that I was at home in my uh, Indiana bedroom folding laundry. And I saw on, on the TV set that was on in the background that there was uh, an active shooter inside a Connecticut elementary school. And I'm sure like so many Americans that day, I sort of just sat down where I was and watched this unfathomable tragedy unfold uh, that, you know, 20 children and six educators could be slaughtered in the sanctity of an elementary school mm -hmm. was hard to even now wrap my mind around. And I was devastated and, and crying all day. And I, I went to bed just so sad. And something happened while I was sleeping because I woke up so angry, just so outraged. And I didn't know what to do with all that anger. So I went online and I thought, okay, I'm going to find something like Mothers Against Drunk Driving but for the issue of gun safety. And I am going to get involved. I've never been an activist before. I'm going to get involved. And what I found were only these one-off think tanks mostly run by men in dc some state and city organizations mostly run by men but nothing connected you know i wanted to be a part of a badass army of women kind of like mad that that spanned the country mm -hmm. and so i just started a facebook page with that idea and uh, because type a women are so indomitable uh it became the largest grassroots movement in the country it's incredible and you know it's as a sidebar, you know, you, we hear so much these days about how awful and evil Facebook is. And I think people need to remember that there's a lot of stories like this that were born out of social media and Facebook in particular. I'm not excusing the other stuff, but yeah. hopefully someday we get to a point where the bad stuff goes away and more good stuff is happening. You know, when I see something like a Sandy Hook or a you know, I'm friends with Fred Gutenberg and his daughter, Jamie, you know, died in the Parkland and Uvalde. You know, when I hear thoughts and prayers, not the time, good guys with guns, it drives me insane. I mean, I get so angry. Is there one of those expressions or something else that when you hear, like, which of those maybe drives you craziest when you hear it and motivates you more than anything to do what you do yeah i mean every time these there's a horrific tragedy people will say oh well this city or this state has all the gun laws you want like look at chicago mm -hmm. or look at california and they still have gun violence and it's so absurd i mean i live in california yes we have strong gun laws compared to the rest of the country not compared to japan <laughs> right it's all about the context and there's still so much more that we can do in the state of California and, and that we will do. Um, but the, this, this idea that somehow a state or a city creates strong gun laws, data shows that it reduces the amount of gun death mm -hmm. and gun violence. But 
our whole country is made up of cities and states with invisible borders, right? Guns go across these borders as easily as cars do. Sure. I mean, California, you have Arizona, you have Nevada. Like if the gun laws are really lax there, which they are, people love guns in those states. It doesn't, I mean, not that it doesn't matter what California does, but it's not that impenetrable wall that the right would makes it out to be or expects it to be in their rhetoric. Yeah, we are we are all only as safe as the close closest city or state with the weakest gun laws. Mm-hmm. You know, the interesting thing is what they refuse to want to accept or believe is that there is a direct correlation in the world between countries that have the strictest countries that have the strictest gun laws and those that have the fewest gun deaths. Where it could be a controlled environment, unlike a California with an Arizona or California with a Nevada, the study, the statistics are there, whether it's New Zealand, Australia, other places, Japan, like it's not rocket science. Why do you think Americans or a certain segment of the population is so resistant to the truth and the facts about guns and gun violence? What What's at the bottom of it all? Oh, I mean, I know it's it's that we have something no other peer nation has, and that is a gun lobby. And mm-hmm. the gun lobbyists have essentially been given the ability to help write our nation's gun laws. And of course, they're going to write those laws to protect and benefit them financially, right? Um, anytime you have a wealthy, powerful, special interest and you give them a seat at the table, they're just going to increase their own power and their own wealth. And no other nation has allowed that. Um, The gun lobby has about a 15-year head start, right? We've been doing this work for about 10 years, but um, a lot of damage has been done. And that includes rhetoric that Mm -hmm. that many people and sadly some of our lawmakers believe, right? This idea that um, a good guy with a gun can stop a bad guy with a gun. The idea that more guns and more places make us safer. None of that is true. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and, we have to undo that. Um, we have made a huge amount of progress. When I started doing this work 10 years ago, about a quarter of all Democrats in Congress had an A rating from the NRA. Today, none do. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and in fact, we passed the first federal legislation in a generation this summer, and mm-hmm. we had Republicans sign on to it. So I, I know that people get frustrated because they want overnight wholesale change, but the system is not set up for that. The system is set up for incremental change. It can be frustrating, it can be slow, but it is what leads to revolutions. Mm-hmm. When you have uh, volunteers, mostly women wearing red shirts who show up in the dozens and hundreds and stop bad legislation or pass good legislation or elect people to office who will be on the right side of this issue, that is how you force change. Mm-hmm. And so as we were talking about at the open, it just seems... Like there's more and more and more and more gun violence lately than ever before. I don't know if that's, I, I mean, I guess it's true. Yes. It seems like that. And so then the, the, the question that I want to ask is why? why? Why in the last year or two or three or five is it just like spiraling out of control? Is there a correlation between that and the rhetoric coming from the right, the Trumpism and the white nationalism and radicalization of people in this country? Is it all just coming together in some witch's brew, Bermuda Triangle type way where like it's being manifested through gun violence? I think it's two things. It's it's 
years and years of bad policy, including something called permitless carry. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the past decade, 25 states have passed permitless carry, mm -hmm. all red states. That means that you can carry a hidden loaded handgun in public with no background check and no training. These laws are adamantly opposed by law enforcement and mm -hmm. yet gun extremists in, in those state houses are passing them. And the data shows that they kill people, right? They cause an increase in gun violence. Um, so you have states that are weakening their gun laws and, and for a long time, a federal government that did nothing combined with the pandemic. So, you know, Donald Trump was president during the pandemic. Um, the, the gun lobby asked him to prioritize gun sales and, and consider them an essential business. And, and the ATF even uh, approved curbside gun sales during a pandemic. And, you know, we had this sort of calm before the storm because people weren't leaving their homes. And we thought, oh, you know, we're not seeing school gun violence. Well, that's because there's schools aren't in session. We're mm -hmm, not seeing public mm -hmm. mass shootings. Well, that's because people aren't in public. Right. And yet there was all this increase of, of gun deaths behind closed doors, including suicides and domestic gun violence. And so when people started to slowly go back out into public, the logical outcome of those years and years of bad policy decisions um, culminated in easy access to guns and, and a huge increase in mental issues. Mm -hmm. I want to be clear, mental illness is is not the reason for the gun violence crisis in this country. Um, all of our peer nations struggle with mental illness. People who are mentally ill are much more likely to be victims than perpetrators. However, post-pandemic, we knew there would be mental mm -hmm. problems and challenges. But yet, what our country does that no other country does is give people who are at risk to themselves or others easy access to guns. Yeah, and, and the courts are also more pro-2A now in guns, right? I mean, like the judges that have been appointed, they're more, more right-wing and... Yes. and and so the, the legislatively is in some ways more challenging, right? To, on a well, state it, by state. It is more challenging in, in terms of, of the courts for sure, because of, uh, again, Donald Trump's presidency and the Supreme Court down to judge appointments and, and in some cases in red state uh, judicial elections. Um, it is definitely harder to protect the progress we make in the legislatures because it's constantly being challenged by gun extremists and gun extremist groups. Um, we've had a lot of success in uh, the appeals there, and we have a whole litigation team in our organization. Uh, but it does, it's just another reminder of, you know, we're not just talking about the election of, of Congress. We're also talking about judicial elections mm -hmm. and then the elections of, of legislators who appoint judges. So I know we have a couple more minutes with you left. Uh, I want to ask you, you're stepping down at the end of this year. You're moving on. I don't think I've read what on is defined as at this point. I mean, is there any idea what you might be doing when you leave Moms Demand Action? Running for I office, maybe? <laughs> it's possible. Mm. I never say never. Um, I, I know whatever I, will, I, I end up doing, it will involve continuing to uh, empower women to be leaders uh, but, you know, I, I believe the, the founder's role in any organization is finite, that I helped build this space where people gather, but it, it's the people who are gathering that make the difference. Um, and in order for me to, um, I think, uh, for the organization to continue to make the progress it has, I, I need to step back. And that enables other people to step forward. It brings new energy and new ideas to the organization. 
as I mentioned, we're so large now. I know we will last into perpetuity, mm -hmm. uh, but I will continue my work with Marmful Man Action at the end of this year as a, a California volunteer. And you are, you do live in California, right? Yes. There's a Senate seat opening up. Is there not in California? <laughs> well, I can assure you, hmm. I, I can break news on your show, which is that I will not be running for the Senate seat. Right. We'll take any news we can break. So I want to thank you. I wish you luck with what, whatever you do. I do hope sometime in, in this coming year you will come back on because I'm sure there's going to be more issues to talk about and more legislation that's put forth. It is an important subject, too important. I do want to go on record and say I think you're neither shrill or a Haridan, <laughs> although I'm glad I've learned that. And that would probably make a great name for a punk band, wouldn't it? Shrill Haridan? I do. I do of women. I love it. Yeah. So thank you again. You've been generous with your time, and I hope you come back and see us again sometime. Thank you. That's episode 38. If you like what you've been hearing, and even if you don't, let us know. We appreciate the feedback. You can leave us a message at 845-307-7446, email us at backroomandy at gmail.com, or tweet to me at Andy Ostroy. And when you listen, please take a quick moment to rate and review. It's very helpful. I want to thank my co-producer, engineer, and editor, Maddie Rosenberg, associate producer, Jen Hamoud, Cricket Langell for our artwork, Andy Hollander for our kick-ass music, Patricia Wind and the Epicurean for the Backroom Studio, and a big thank you again to our guest, Shannon Watts. So keep your eyes on Washington, Hollywood, and your own backyards, and we hope you'll join us again next time. Have a great week.